Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with your treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way any day you decide to start. You'll be set for life You'll be set for life In the previous chapters, if you haven't been here, you've been missing all the blood and guts and the conquest and Jericho's walls fell down and Israel's like, we don't know if we can do it. God says, I got this. This is my fight. And the parallel was, hey, God's got this. Your trials, God's got this. It's his fight, not yours. Well, after Jericho, they're like, yeah, we can do this, man. And they got cocky. And they said, now let's go take the next town of, of Ai. Now we can, there's not many. We, can, we don't need, even need all the forces. Let's go do it. And they got their tails whipped. They got beat. And they paid for their arrogance really, really quick. And then God got them back together. He, he, he got after Joshua, the leadership. Stop acting like you're defeated. Stop talking like it's over with. It's not. I've got this, but stand up. He said, get up. Stop moping around, acting like you're beat. Get up. Go do it. I've got this. God always has this. And I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't know that God's got this. He's got everything. And so now here they are, they went to the city of Ai, they wiped them out. God said, wipe all those people out. Now, for some people, this isn't God saying, oh, murder's okay and all that. What this is, is that the city of Ai and Jericho, they were a sinful people. They would not repent. They were going to have nothing to do with the God of Israel. They did not want him. And at some point, after centuries and centuries of letting these people stay there, God has to come and execute judgment. Same with us. That's why I'm saying, be ready. Be ready for the return of Christ. we got a whole world out there of people who don't pay God much respect or reverence. They have not given themselves to Him. They think just calling themselves a Christian is good enough, but they don't actually do what He tells them to do. That is not living a life for Christ. That is not what a saved person does. And when His judgment comes, it's going to take the arrogant people out. The, I'm arrogant, I'm so awesome, look what I can do in my own power. And, you know, I was mowing my grass the other day, and I realized something. Only the tallest blades get cut. The small blades don't because they're low. Get low, people. Get humble before your God. His judgment's coming. And so they, they executed judgment on the city of Ai, and so now they're in the land. And so now they have to do some things that Joshua told them to do. Uh, Moses told Joshua to do some things when they get there. And so here we are, I think, in Joshua 8 and 30. It says, uh, now Joshua built an altar to the Lord, God of Israel, in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. 
And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. So again, after the victories that they won against Ai and Jericho, Joshua did something which many would consider militarily foolish. Man, you got this conquest. It, you've got it going. Things are moving. Why, why go on a pilgrimage now? Why stop and build an altar? You better keep this military strike moving, buddy. You know, that's what the world would tell you. Well, the world doesn't understand God's ways. You know, God will tell you to do things that just don't make sense. But if he tells you to do it, you better do it. And so they're doing what God told them to do. They, they set up this altar instead of going on to secure the area by conquering more and more cities. People would say that you should be, you should be doing more, Joshua. We, we should. I'm sure he had people contest this. Why are we stopping to build an altar? We, we finally got it down now. We messed up at I. We're, we're conquering again. Keep going. Um, let, let, or I could hear him say this. Let's build homes first. Yeah, we'll do the altar. But man, I need a place to live, dude. You know, I just want to be comfortable. You know, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. You ever hear that out of Christians? I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be. No, we're building the altar first. The sacrifice, God first. And why did Joshua do this? at this time when there were seemingly higher priorities to attend to. I could think of other priorities, but the reason Joshua did this, he built this altar on Mount Ebal, is because he was commanded to do it. He was told to do it. When I talk to Christians about repentance and you tell them God commands this, they just don't want to be told what to do. Uh, That's part of the biggest problem with repentance these days. People just don't like to be told what to do. They want to do what they want to do. And when you talk to them about God's ways, they get mad, and they usually take it out on you. You're just the messenger, right? Well, Joshua told the people, we're here, we're building an altar, that's what we're commanded to do, and we're doing it first. God comes first. And it even says that it's written in the law of Moses to do this in Deuteronomy 27. This was long before when he commanded it. He says in 27 and 4, He says, therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there. And rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. So what's going on here is obedience. He told them to do this. Now they're in the land. Now they're doing it at Mount Ebal. He's supposed to do this. And that's what he's doing. It is a way to publicly proclaim and worship God in a land where cities of false gods have just fallen. Wow, what a concept. Where cities of false gods just fell. Now we build an altar and we're proclaiming the true God of Israel. Can you imagine other nations might have been spying this out? What are they doing over there? They're building an altar. They're building an altar to their God. Aren't these the people that just took down Jericho and I, those big mighty fortresses? Now look at what they're doing. You imagine what a mind game this would have done on the people that might have seen it. But they're worshiping God. They're thanking Him for what they got Him through. We all have trials we're going through. You ever take time to stop and thank God for it? No, no, i got to keep on going. i got my problem. If I stop, it's all going to get out of hand again. Wait a minute. Stop. (laughs) 
Thank God that you're still here. Thank God that you still can do things you need to do, that he's taking care of business. And thank him, worship him for it. We're told to do it. You know, when we have victories in our lives, we're all too quick to try to go out and get more victories. Wow, I just got a raise. Oh, I just got this. I got a new car. And we start getting that cockiness. And we're quick to try to go out and make more uh, some kind of gain. We celebrate ourselves for it. We try to get more instead of stopping to thank God for it. Just stop and thank God for it. Today, when you go home, look at that house of yours that's all broken down. As I was telling you earlier, that my house is kind of falling apart. The other day, I go, thank God for this house. <laughs> I'm glad to have it. I live here. How nice. You, you ever wonder what the Holy Spirit thinks of us? He lives in us and we're breaking down. <laughs> Same difference. But anyway, um, they're taking priority to do what they're supposed to do. Now is the time to publicly worship God, proclaim Him as the victor. They're not proclaiming themselves. Man, you should have seen us. We went through Jericho. We went through I. We tore them up. We are the bomb. You know. No, they're not doing that. They're proclaiming God. God did this. God did this. This is His victory, not mine. Now, this kind of reminds me of baptism. You know, once you've been saved, given your new life, you should publicly profess your faith in God in front of everybody. I follow this God is what baptism shows. And now they're doing this, pro this proclamation at an altar. And you notice in verse 31, it says they were to build the altar with uncut stones. It says an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool. Why? God refused to let religion come into this. You do not take stones and cut them into stars and moons and different animals and things that you... You prioritize and inject it into my altar. You take the stones as you found them. Do not bring religion into this. People find it funny. They say I'm religious. I say, oh, don't you dare call me religious. I am not. Religion is what man does to alter God's truth to benefit himself. We follow God's word that cannot be changed and it glorifies God, not us. That's the difference. God says, do not shape your stones. You take whole stones. Don't bring religion into this. You didn't do it. I did it. I defeated those towns. Same with your trials. Don't bring your religion into it. Well, this is the way I've always been taught. Mom and dad always told me this is how it is. Well, have you read the Bible? No, but mom and dad always told me it was like this. Well, you're, it's, that's religion, and it's dangerous. It'll get you in trouble. Follow God's Word. We read God's Word line upon line here. We're in Joshua 8. Next week we'll be in Joshua 9. That We just follow it straight through. Because you and I both need to know what God says, not what we think. So he says, don't bring stones that you cut into this. God is not who we say He is. God is who He says He is. And He doesn't, he doesn't want man injecting his own junk in there. Once you let a man start cutting the rocks of the altar, he'll turn that altar into praise for himself instead of praise for God. Hey, check out that rock over there. See that? That's my rock. I cut that. You know what that rock symbolizes? It symbolizes that time when I went and did this great thing. Oh yeah, well, check out my rock. That's my rock, right? The one that's over yours. Yeah. yeah. Can you see that? This is what happens when you get religious. Don't bring that in here. <laughs> And he told them, don't bring it to the altar. 
Exodus 20 and 25, he says, And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Oh, man. Oh, that's a big one. I could make a whole sermon just on that. Do not profane the altar of God. Show that picture of that altar. That's Joshua's altar, what it would look like. Uh, An altar, it's a raised platform with a flat surface so that sacrifices could be put on top of it. An altar is also a place of consecration. Consecration, that means that's where you dedicate yourself. This is where I dedicate myself to God. That's why I didn't want any cut stones on it. Because you dedicate yourself to me. You're not dedicating nothing to yourself. You dedicate it all to me. It's a place of dedication. And he wanted, God wanted Israel to show their dedication to him no religious systems. You remember, Jesus had to deal with religious baloney when he came here. And that's why they were trying to kill him, because they injected hewn stones into the altar and messed everything up from there. And it was bad by the time he showed up. Do not profane the place where you dedicate yourself. If you're going to dedicate yourself to God, give your whole self purely His way, His way. And if you don't know the Bible, start reading. Well, I don't understand everything. That's okay. You're not going to understand everything. Start reading. The Holy Spirit will give you what He can give you to understand. Just start. But the way you've always been told, how it's always been, the way my opinion has always had it, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Do not bring hewn stones. Do not bring your religion to where you dedicate yourself to God. But in today's terms, too many people have used a tool on their place of dedication. Let me give an example. They have carved donkeys and elephants into their altars by giving themselves to their political parties. Now, I'm not going to tell you what political party I am. Y'all probably, probably already know. But anyway, that is not my God. I don't think that the Republicans are going to get us out of this mess. I don't think the Democrats are going to get us out of this mess. I don't think any party that could ever be come up with is going to get us out of this mess. Prophetically, we're supposed to go down, and then Jesus is going to come and yank us out. The best form of government is not a democracy, it's a monarchy, because Jesus is a king, and he's not coming to take votes to see if the majority likes him. He's going to rule whether you like it or not. (laughs) Best to just go ahead and get under him, right? And so... Do not carve into where your altar is. Well, I follow the Democrats or I follow the Republicans. Stop that. Do you pray, God, heal our nation? Do you pray, God, protect me through this time? Lord, God, turn our people around? Or do you glue yourself to the news going, oh, I hope Trump can do something. And God bless Trump and I pray for him and I love Trump. But he's not God. Don't carve your stones at your altar. Do not bring your religion to where you dedicate yourself. That's some application. Don't profane your altar. Don't mess up your dedication to Jesus by trying to use your own man-made ways of building on it. You're not helping God. Well, God, I think you need my help. I think there needs to be a shaped stone right there. Don't try to help God. (laughs) He don't need your help. We need His help. God wants a pure heart of total trust. So just take the stones as they are and build that altar where you dedicate yourself. The stones as you found them. Don't inject your own religion. Joshua 8 and 32. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, 
which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger, that would be me, because I'm a Gentile, the, the stranger, as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim. And for you Hebrew people, if I totally ruin that name, I'm sorry. Um, half of them were on in front of Mount Gerizim. And half of them were in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And so that mountain picture, that's where it was at. Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, that's Israel. That's a modern-day picture. And Shechem, if, you want to, if I say it like a Texan, I'll say Shechem. But that's the way it is right there. The Levites and the Ark of the Lord was at Shechem, and half the people were on Gerizim, half of the people were on Mount Ebal. And... And they were going to read the law. And the acoustics there, because it's in that valley, scientists have actually been there and tested the acoustics. You could get some guys out there and holler, and it goes right up them hills. They just hear it wonderfully. When Jesus preached on the side of a hill, he used the acoustics. Did not have a fender system like we do. <laughs> he used the acoustics, and everybody heard it. That is, that is acoustic central right there for everybody to hear. And they were on... Israel was on both of these mountains. What a, what a place to actually see that, right? And so they're doing what Moses commanded them to do way back in Deuteronomy 27. So this, this is our setting. And we, it's when you get in the land, put the law on white stones, half the Israelites on this mountain, the other half on the other mountain. The Levite priests are down in the valley in the middle, standing with the ark of God. Now, Mount Ebal was... More barren. I see some trees on it now at the time. They may have planted some, I don't know. But Mount Ebal at the time was more barren. It did not look very productive. It, it was pretty bare. But Mount Gerizim was lush, much more productive. Now, if I'm an Israelite at that time and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to spend the day out here. I want to get on the one with the trees. I want some shade. You know, I want to take it easier. No, no, we're supposed to be on that other one. Oh, man, that's going to be hot. You know, I mean, I, I, even when I park, I look for a shaded parking spot because shaded parking spots are like gold around here, you know. Uh, so I'm just trying to get into the mindset of the people at that time. There's two very different mountains representing very different things. One's barren and one's productive. So let's look at Deuteronomy 27 real quick to find out what these mountains mean and which half of Israel had to stand on which mountain because you know everybody's going to want to go to the good one. Well, it's assigned seating here, so to speak. Deuteronomy 27, 11. These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Now there's a whole lot of this, and I stopped right there. There's a lot of curses listing listed here, but you can see that every time they named a curse, don't do this, all the people would say, Amen. So we'd list another curse, and all the people would say, Amen. And so this is how it went. Mount Gerizim was for blessing, but Mount Ebal, which was more barren, was for curse. Now this did not mean 
that the people who stood on the cursed mountain were there to be cursed. That's not what it meant. It meant they heard the cursings and they said, Amen, we agree to it. If you, if you treat your father and mother with contempt, that's wrong. And they would go, Amen. So they were agreeing to the fact that this was wrong. They weren't standing there to be cursed. They were there to agree that it is a curse. That's what's happening here. So they weren't receiving the curse. But the, the different characteristics of these two mountains would really symbolize the blessings or the curses that the Israelites were about to hear. Now, I'm a visual learner. I don't know how many of you are like that. I, I have to see something to get it. And I, I kind of struggled with that through college, especially when I did electronics. I, I, I could, if I could, you know, I could build a circuit, but if I couldn't see it some kind of way visually, I, I had a hard time with it. And so I had to, to see it. But these two mountains, one lush and, and productive, but the other one barren and dead, this would have presented a very vivid picture to the people of Israel, a visual learning method that disobeying God or obeying God would bring about different results. If you disobey God, bad things happen. If you obey God, man, productive, it's good. And you know, they're reading these curses on the, the barren mountain and they're like, it's hot, man. There's nothing here. And, and we heard another curse. Amen. I, I agree to that. Well, then they read the blessings and the people on the blessing mountain, they're like, amen, sounds good to us. And we're sitting pretty over here. Can you see the visual that would go on? Man, you're not going to forget that. You're not going to forget it. And so in Deuteronomy 27, that's how they read all this, followed with, amen, I agree. And so this is how the Israelites came back into rightness with God by agreeing to his laws and statutes. God help our generation today who has turned their back almost completely on God's laws and statutes. What God's Word says is sin. Guess what? It's still sin. Nothing changed. You can't parade it out. You can't shake your fist in the street. You can't protest it out. It's sin, it's sin, it's sin. It still is. And my best advisement is have nothing to do with it, even however politically incorrect it is. I don't care about political correctness. I care about biblical correctness. I want to please my God. And so the Israelites are coming back into rightness with God. But you see the list of tribes that were instructed by Moses to stand on Mount Abel. Why were they picked to stand there? What's with them? You know, I'm okay with the guys standing on the Blessing Mountain, but what's with these guys standing on the Cursed Mountain? Why did they get picked for that? Um... I found some information that these tribes on the mountain of the curse, they were descended from men who did very sinful things that tainted the family line. And it was well dug in their heads. I remember our forefather way back, he did this terrible thing, and that mess is still in our family today. We have to go and acknowledge the cursings because we got the most trouble. We are the ones that need to really hear it. See, you know, like when a kid does something wrong, you stick them in the corner because that's a place of curse. And you tell them what they did wrong, and they're like, Okay, I get it. You know, that's kind of what's going on here on Mount Ebal and in, 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 uh, the, the Mountain of Curse and Blessing. There, it's kind of like put them in the corner for a minute. It's like, I want you to remember, this is bad. Don't do this. Having these certain tribes stand on Mount Ebal saying amen to the curses would cause them to seriously reflect on the sins of their forefathers as a warning not to repeat it. Don't do this again. It's already in your family line. You don't need to double it up. You don't need to triple it up. Stop doing that. They were not placed there to be cursed. They were there to be reminded what would happen if they disobeyed God. And this is not just for Israel. 
If God would do this to His own chosen people, what do you think He would do to Gentiles? Guys, we got to get right before God. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time. Unless Jesus returns for us first, Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.